This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with one of the original sharks on Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high performance coach. Where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, Kevin Harrington, who helped conceive and participate as one of the original sharks on the blockbuster TV show Shark Tank, shares his life and stories from the countless companies he has invested in, giving us the insider info on what makes a great pitch and how he has made millions on ideas that have translated into changing millions of lives for the better. Let's go right to Kevin with a million dollar smile. Oh Kevin. my goodness. I tell you that that's historic. I, I, I need you for every uh, introduction, Dan. Thank you. Well, the coolest thing is I've been on the stage with you a few times. Yeah. More importantly, I've been in the audience and because I'm a curious individual on the power and significance of communication, you really do ignite and trigger passion in others by answering, I think I can do this too. So I want to take you all the way back, not to Ohio, when you became that, that, that gajillionaire as a five-year-old and all the women in the, in, the, in the neighborhood wanted to have an arranged marriage with their daughters as they grew older. You've been an entrepreneur your whole life. Take us back to when you actually discovered that that was your passion, that entrepreneurship maybe is not necessarily taught, it's cultivated. Take us all the way back oh, to your yeah. best memory. Um, I, that, that's, you've used some great words. And so I was, when I was 11 years old, uh, I, I remember my father, he'd been, I wanted six kids. I'm the fourth. By the time it got to me, my dad was a bartender. But one day he said, I've saved up enough money to open my own bar. And he opened up Harrington's Irish Pub. Okay, so he just wanted to have his own business, right? But I started at 11 years old working side by side with my dad, beer back and bar, uh, serve, and, and bar backing services and, and waiting tables and doing all the things. And so after a couple of years at a dollar an hour, and I was, I was working some 40 hour weeks at, you know, like there was no child labor laws back then <laughs> to protect my, all of us, but I enjoyed it. I was having fun, but I said, dad, when can I start making some real money? I know, you know, you own this place. You're doing well. He said, well, you got to start your own business. So, so he mentored me and I, I have a lot of uh, great beliefs in mentorship and I'll talk a little bit about a new book I've got about mentoring, but um, he mentored me to start my own business. I, so I went out and I said, what can I do kind of summertime, make some money? Because during school, it's hard, you know, the, the work while you're going to sixth grade or whatever it was, right? You know, so weekends, I was sealing driveways in Ohio, blacktop, asphalt, and beautifying the driveways, knocking on doors, showing before and after pictures. Oh, see the guy across the street? Look what his look like before. Now go take a look at it. Oh my God, when can you do mine? I pick up 18 in the neighborhood and I'm 15 years old, had to buy a truck that I couldn't drive because I didn't have a license and paid somebody to drive me around. And so make a long story short, that worked for years while I was in 
in school and, and through high school. But when I got to college, my dad said, you need to pay for your own college, school, your tuition, books, boarding, insurance, cars, everything. That's a lot of money for an 18-year-old kid. And I couldn't do it sealing driveways because it wasn't year-round. It was only in the summer. So I said, what's year-round? Heating and air conditioning. I started a heating and air conditioning company. And what I did, I got leads from the courthouse of people that just bought a new house. First of all, they got good credit. They just closed on their house. The most expensive thing they're going to buy, they don't have air conditioning, central air. Well, hey, we'll send the guy out and give you a quote. Or we also said, don't turn that dangerous furnace on. If you don't know how to work it, it can be dangerous. We'll come out, do a safety check, show you how to operate your furnace and your air conditioning system. We're picking up a dozen plus new clients every week while I was going to college. And after, by my second year, I had 25 employees, six trucks, 5 million a year in sales. And this is back in the 70s. So um, make a long story short, yes, I was making money, but I, I wasn't happy with the business I was in because it was constrained to Cincinnati. I wasn't going to be putting furnaces in in Cleveland, Ohio, five hours away. So I, I, I then sold that business to one of my employees and decided as I'm looking at to buy a business, I said, until I find something that I really want, I'm going to be like a consultant. I'll help people get started in business. I'll broker. I got an actual brokerage license to, to start selling businesses. And then I opened up something called the Small Business Center, a one-stop center. Now, WeWorks, they lease a whole floor, and then they rent it out to anybody. I leased a whole floor in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1980. This is 40 years ago. And I leased it to synergistic service providers, an accountant, a lawyer, a, an a, a, a advertising and graphic guy, people that could help small business owners. So I was making a positive cash flow on the rent that I was getting, but then I was helping these businesses launch and they were utilizing the services of the small business center. Entrepreneur Magazine heard about this. They said, let's do this together. We partnered 50-50 and we opened 30 of these and all before infomercials because now I was making money and I got cable television, bought a new house. And I never forget early 80s, here it was, I'm watching TV. I just ordered cable TV, 30 channels. I get ESPN, 24 hours of sports, HBO, 24 hours of movies, MTV music. I get to channel 30, there's nothing there. It was called the Discovery Channel which is a big channel today, but it was the launch of the Discovery Channel was back in the early 80s. They didn't have a budget for 24 hours a day, only 18 hours. That's where I came up with the idea to fill that six-hour block with products. Went down, talked to Discovery locally in Cincinnati, tested it. We were getting huge sales, products going through the roof. We were doing kitchen products, Ginsu knives, food saver, Tony Little Fitness, Jack LaLanne and the Juicer, the Kardashians, the Hiltons, the Jenners, fitness products, kitchen products, beauty, you name it. We lip plumpers for Paris Hilton, <laughs> we 50 cent head headphones, we selling those, QVC, HSN, we went public on the New York Stock Exchange, built a $500 million business, and, um, and we had a great time doing it. And that's when I got the phone call from Mark Burnett, who said, I need someone like you to take some pitches 
on Shark Tank. And when I first heard it, I said, wait, I know what you do to those people on that Survivor show. What are you going to do to me on Shark Tank? Okay? I, I don't think I'm liking this, right? So anyway, I think I spent idea, enough time telling you about my background, Dan. Oh, I had a lot of fun doing all that stuff. Then oh, got on Shark Tank. Oh, story. That's why you're such a unique, you know, uh, interview on, on Power Player. So when we start talking about preparation, obviously you just hit the nail on the head. You hit the ball out of the park as far as all the preparation you had. Let's shift so you can answer, can I do it too? So when someone is on Shark Tank, when someone tunes into an infomercial, tell us the behind the scenes mindset that you perfected. Give us some secret sauce of how you can teach us to take an idea and turn it into reality. Fantastic. So here I, I had six hours a day on discovery under a multi-year contract. So we were doing it in 30 minute increments. We actually ended up doing three minute and five minute and 15 minute and 30 minute and one minute and two minutes. So we could actually during a six hour block run hundreds of products is what we ended up doing. But in the beginning, 30 minutes, I, I looked at a 30 minute show as three 10 minute pods. And in each 10 minutes, we did three things, T's, please, and C's. And then we, and the C's. Oh, you so sound we, like my junior prom date, man. Yeah, hey, there you go. Hey, we teased <laughs> them with some kind of a attention getting problem. Well, then we pleased them by solving the problem using demonstrations, magical transformations, and testimonials. And then we seized by giving them an irresistible offer and a call to action. And so if you watch an infomercial, you'll see generally three what we call CTAs, call to actions. First 10 minutes, call to action. Next 10 minutes, call to action. Next 10 minutes, call to action. Each one is a standalone with T's, please, C's, because not everybody can watch all 30 minutes. So you have to be able to kind of give some people, so you'll use some of the same content across the board, but ultimately it can't just be a 10 minute segment run three times. It's gotta be different. And otherwise the viewer won't tune in and watch. So make a long story short, that's sort of the formula. I, I, I love to talk about that tease, please seize because it, it works on pitching on Shark Tank too, by the way. It's not just selling a product. If you're going to learn how to pitch, you want to also follow kind of a similar path. Absolutely. So what is one of the most interesting products that someone brought to you that you had to dig deeper than ever before to become creative in your advice and your mentoring on how they could take that product to market? So that's a great question. Um, I mean, I've had a couple that as the price point gets higher on products, it gets tougher to sell. So when the people brought me the original food saver, they set this on my desk and demonstrated it. You're familiar with the vacuum food sealer, right? Okay. So this vacuum food sealer, I said, well, what does this cost? They said, what sells for $300? I said, we're going to have to do unbelievable demonstrations, right? And so we had to come up with, you know, like if you've ever seen food saver, you put a Coca-Cola can in the bag and it crushes the bag. Like, so when you do that, people say to me, but why do you show that demo? People don't buy this to crush cans. I'm like, no, we show that to show you the power of the product. So at one time, 
we were selling a um, we, we were selling a an item called uh, the um, the infrared oven. It was called the um, uh, the, the flavor wave infrared oven. And and so we we showed where this product could take something straight out of the freezer, and it's rock solid. We hit it on a side of the the kitchen table, and it would sound like a board. And and then we'd stick it into the flavor wave, and 30 minutes later, it came out succulent, moist, and charred on the outside, and just gorgeous. And it cooked at at speeds as fast as a microwave, but with oven quality. And so. When we were demonstrating this, we said, how do we demonstrate going from frozen to, uh, uh, to beautiful? So we, we took two turkeys, put them in a cryogenic freezer down to 300, minus 330 degrees. We brought them out. We said, look, these things are so frozen. We're going to put one of them in the flavor wave and come back in a minute and see what happens. But let's take the other one here and go up top of 50-foot building and drop <laughs> it and see what happens. And it broke like a piece of glass, the turkey. Okay, because it was cryogenically frozen. Well, by the time we got back doing that, the turkey in the flavor wave was so moist and succulent and golden brown that it's we demonstrated, and this was a cryogenically frozen turkey from minus 330 degrees to perfect. And so we said, look, you you don't need any other appliance if you can if. If you've got weird circumstances in your house, we're going to be able to make this product work, whether it's minus 300 or minus 30, or it's in the in the refrigerator just overnight. So we came up with these amazing demos with Ginsu. We're cutting through Coca-Cola cans and hammerheads and things like that. So we were always looking to focus on amazing creative. I call those um money shots, magical transformations, whatever you want to say, but this was part of the creative juices of, of putting these products together. Ladies and gentlemen, listening, think about what Kevin just taught us, that if price becomes the topic of conversation, it means the presentation is weak and the relationship is non-existent. Kevin, you're saying don't worry so much about trying to give somebody a deal, give them value. Is that what you're absolutely, teaching us here? Absolutely, yeah. We are, I mean... It, we can sell things at a, at a high price. I mean, the, the Tony Little Gazelle was four to five hundred dollars, and that went first on Home Shopping Network. Ninety percent women, and and so are they interested in a five hundred dollar fitness machine? Well, we made it worth their while the way we demonstrated. We we put uh, when we put that inside the studio, we brought some seniors on and women playing with it, having fun, getting the music going. So we made it a fun way to exercise, right? And that product ended up being a billion dollar product. In fact, Tony Little is back on a commercial right now. You'll see him nationwide for Cricket Wireless. He's been on Geico and oh, he's, you know, he's built a multi-billion dollar brand um, starting with our infomercials. Still with his ponytail, still with his, yeah. Uh, his fitness. Yeah, what a stud. Yes. Great question then. So the definition of sales is the transference of trust. Teach us about the difference between hiring a very visible celebrity or just Joe or Jill man, woman on the street. What's that strategy? You know, this, it's a good question, Dan, because I, I've had, I mean, I, I deal with a lot of celebrities. And if they are truly in love with their product and have a passion for it, 
generally they're going to be the best salesperson. So, um, you know, 50 Cent, he had these headphones that were wirelessly working and, and developed some of the technology. He loved them. He pitched them. People believed in them. They were 400 bucks when they first came out, but we did tens of millions of dollars selling headphones. Um, so, it, I mean, at the, at, at the end of the day, Billy Mays is a good example. Here was a guy, nobody knew Billy Mays. He, he had a nice black beard, but he was a great pitch guy, okay? And so we could put Billy Mays on a product. We could also bring on a celebrity. But Billy would outsell the celebrity because he was great. He was a good salesman. And, and he had credibility with the common man because he could relate to them because he was a common guy, right? And, and sometimes, I mean... We, we hired Joan Collins from the old show Dynasty, if you remember, to do a beauty product. She showed up the day of the shoot, and she said, I'm not going to say any of I mean, she collected her 50 grand, cashed the check, then showed up and said, the script you sent is unacceptable. I'm not going to say any of that stuff. You didn't pay me enough money to say the things you want me to say. And we scrubbed the whole deal, gave her the 50 grand and said goodbye. Because we're like, we're, we're not going to keep going down a bad path. So not every celebrity is necessarily a great thing. And now, I, I'm not going to say Joan Collins isn't a good presenter or whatever, because I, I don't want to get into that battle. But I'm just going to say that not every deal has a place for a celebrity. And especially, we want celebrities that really love their product with a passion. Kind of a Cindy Crawford look where you can. Oh, see yeah. She does dynamite. Of everything that she does. Yeah. The yeah. Christy Brinkley. Yeah. Yes. So let's start winding down, brother. I want to shift to your most amazing reputation behind your back, brother. What are people saying behind your back? You're the consummate mentor. You have the ability to go where someone is physically, emotionally, intellectually, and, and, not just trigger our passion and our, and our creativity and imagination, but you have that ability to take us to the next level. So I want the, I want my listeners to understand the metaphor here. Yeah. You've been the ultimate entrepreneur pitch man who can take a product from what it is and create it into something larger than life and get people to buy it. Yeah. What I believe about you, my friend, which is why it's such an honor for you to be on this program and it brings up my third P on, on power players, pursuit of that passion, is your ability to take a human being. Now, the metaphor is a human being is now a commodity just for this little one-second analogy. Yeah. You have this ability to take the person, the commodity, the hello and goodbye individual, Dan Clark, and take us to the next level just like you do products and services as an entrepreneur, as a pitch man, as the original shark. Teach us about that. Tell us about this magnificent new book you have, Mentoring, and, and then maybe conclude with a meaningful poem so that we'll remember you. Okay, I got all of that. Okay, so Dan, thank you so much. I, I have to tell you, I, you know, all the great things that I've done and, think, and, and everything, I, I, as I've told, as I've mentioned it, I you haven't told you about the failures, okay? And so, or the problems I had getting over these humps. Like, for example, um, I mentioned my father was my first mentor. I've had a dozen mentors. I mean, 
I sat one-on-one -on -one with Richard Branson for a couple of days and picked his brains and got all kinds of great stuff. And he's a mentor to me. But when I was growing my business, I needed cash way back in the, in the early 80s. Had no, I had 25 grand, but I started with, that didn't go very far. And I had to finance inventory and production and a whole company. So I tried to raise capital, went to five banks, got turned down, turned down everywhere. But I ended up finding a mentor that was unbelievable. And he told me, I'll get you money. What do you need? Three to 5 million? Yes, I'll get you that from one of the banks that turned you down. And he did. So, um, so I brought on a finance mentor, a legal and operations. I am, thank you for all the kind words today, but I'm good in marketing and sales. I, I need help in these other areas. And so once I figured out that I could bring mentors on in my business, I then said, let me tell other people how they can do that. And this is why I wrote this book called Mentor to Millions. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But by the way, the foreword is by Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son. Uh, it's it. all about how to get mentors in your life, why you need them, how to get them, where to get them. And I just want to say that th this is, it, it is, my life of dealing with getting the right mentors and then how to utilize them efficiently in the process. Because I, that's what I really spend almost, I'd say 75% of my time is now spent just helping other companies getting, you know, I'm on the board of, a, of several public companies. Um, one of them recently, we went from 22 cents to $3 during COVID and then since COVID, $3 to $15 a share. So from 22 cents to $15. And this is a board seat that I've had for a couple of years, but this is what I do. I bring, what did you call it earlier? The, I forget at the very beginning. Power um, players. You Power players, right? And yeah. then the, the something, uh, the, the, the rise of, uh, of something I forget, but anyway, power players. Uh, I, I like to bring a power player team to the relationships that, that I get involved with. So, and by the way, for anybody that is interested, I don't want to take any thunder away, but kevinmentor.com, they get a sneak peek and we actually give some free mentoring away at that, um, at kevinmentor.com. So um, it's, it, it is my passion now you know, I'm one of the co-founders of the Entrepreneurs Organization. Every person that joins EO gets what they call a forum, which is a board of advisors, a board of mentors. So I've been putting people into mentoring for years and years and years. That goes all the way back to 1987. You get a monthly mentoring session for every month that you belong to EO. It's amazing. People swear by it. And I'm one of the co-founders. So I just believe that it's tough to do it alone. If you're out there and you're an entrepreneur, don't be afraid to ask a mentor. Don't be afraid to ask me. I mean, I, I, I got one last quick story, and then I'll let you finish up, Dan. I'm sitting at an airport actually um, coming away from a big event. in. Um, it was in San Diego, the traffic and conversion, right? 10,000 people, give or take, that are at this event. I've been going for three days, nonstop, crazy. And now I'm at the airport. I'm sitting um, in, 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 the, in the little restaurant right across from the gate that I'm going to be boarding. And this young man comes over, 
and he and he said, Mr. Harrington, he said, I've been following you for years. I was just over at traffic and conversion, and I have a hundred dollar bill for you because I want to ask you a question, but I don't want anything for free. And all I want is an answer to my question, but here's the hundred for your time. Would you be willing to take me up on my offer? And I looked at him and I was just blown away, right? This is a young kid that happened to have a hundred on him. And I took the hundred, I handed it back to him. And I said, listen, that's one of the best ways I've ever been pitched before to give somebody uh, some of my time, but because it was so good, I'm not charging you a dime and I'm going to use this story down the road, but fire away. And I only got five minutes because I'm going to be boarding in a few minutes here. And we, we did a little session. We maintained a relationship and I email with him every now and then, but I mentor this, this boy. And so this is what I love. And it's all part of being an entrepreneur for 40 plus years. And that's why if you need help, this is where you can get it, KevinMentor.com. And I, I thank you for having me on here, Dan. But you probably got more questions, or where well, are we here? <laughs> let me just wind down very, very quickly. I like to put you on the hot seat. You know, back in the day, and I, I was paralyzed playing football. And as I started to get better, the vice president of the university gave me a cassette tape to listen to by Zig Ziglar. I thought, whoa, his mom ran out of names. So out of curiosity, I plugged it in. Long story shorter, he sponsored me in the National Speakers Association oh and mentored me for over 25 years. So I know oh Tom, I, I know his that. daughters, I know, you know, uh, Lori Majors, his right hand for all these years. Oh, sure, unbelievable. Organization. What a great, what a great crew. But to, I'm on the phone with them every day. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. And to have this connection with you through the Zigglers just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Which is the final question. So, so Randy Pausch, the famous, uh, university professor who was battling cancer and he coined the phrase last lecture and every one of my guests on power players kevin i asked them if you had one last lecture if you want one if you want to teach the world one final truth timeless truth that makes everybody a power player regardless of our generation regardless of our race regardless of our gender what's that one bit of advice that someone can say Man, I can't remember the 65 minutes that followed Kevin Harrington's amazing transformational speech, but man, this one nugget took me to the next level. What would it be, bro? All right. So I, I appreciate that, and I, and I love this. I mean, I, I think there, I might have a, like a, a, a split here to give folks a couple things to think about. But I, I, I don't know if you remember Paul J. Meyer, but um, oh, yeah. to my institute, I, I wake up every morning to one of his amazing quotes, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon must inevitably come to pass. And so I put that in books and I, I'm a real firm believer in if, if, if you have a, a passion and desire and you believe it and you act upon it in a proper fashion, putting a focus on it, you're going to get whatever you want in life. And, and I know Zig Ziglar said that you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And so, you know, there's a couple of things that I live my life by, but I also, this is really the ultimate thing that made me the best entrepreneur. In, and when I first started, I was, I was too egotistical I was knocking on doors and selling like crazy, thought I could do it all. But guess what? 
you know, paying your taxes and running the books and getting, you know, the right people, building the team. And I said, what I need is I, I need to surround myself with a dream team. So that this is really the one thing that I say, people stop me in airports. I'm a young entrepreneur. What should I do to be successful? I'm going to say, don't try to do it all by yourself, especially if it's your first time. Surround yourself with a winning team, a dream team of experts that complement you on your skill sets, and you're going to be able to take that ball down and cross the finish line, right? So um, that that really, it's once I said to my, I mean, I have I have three lawyers that are part of my dream team. I got a CFO. I've got amazing digital marketing people. I don't know how to do all that stuff. I don't know how to build funnels. I got a team that does. I don't want to know. I want to just keep doing what I do best. And so you you know what we're talking about here, Dan. And well, hey, you and I should have connected as a dream team a long time ago. We could be rocking and rolling with some companies. I, I know we could have some good times and, and help some people do some amazing things. So let's do it. Offline. We'll connect offline, brother. You bet. Again, ladies and gentlemen, my guest has been Kevin Harrington. And again, think about Karen, Kevin Harrington, dot, 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 success, catalyst, mentor extraordinary. And, uh, and let's just uh, follow. Let's join your tribe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that book as soon as I hang up on this, uh, on this interview, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank and as you, I Dan. usually conclude, this is called Power Players. And remember what Kevin Harrington has just reminded us about that the power play is in you if you surround yourself with the right people who can bring it out and team up. Thank you. God bless, Kevin. Thank you. You've inspired me. I can't wait to see you again, bro. Dan, me too, man. See you see, hopefully sooner than later. Absolutely. Okay. Thank Thanks. you. Be The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.